So, uh, in the last GD, uh, 23, 24, 25, we, uh, we discussed about how the Atma can, uh, uh, can, cannot be impacted in any way by any of the five elements. So, we talked about Nayanam uh, Chindanti Shastrani, the weapons don't cut it or the fire does not burn it. The water doesn't moisten it and the wind does not dry it. And I, I remember there was a discussion about, you know, uh, whether uh, whether water can, since water can impact fire, although it is uh, uh, grosser than fire, then, uh, you know, how do we reconcile that? And there was some uh, back and forth discussion between Alpana, Ajay, and uh, I think if it was Sonali, uh, who shared uh, that information about, you know, how to reconcile the fact that a subtler element can be, uh, uh, can be, uh, uh, affected by a grosser element, right? That's, that is one thing we discussed. And uh, actually, we started off uh, the last GD by uh, Krishna's uh, uh, point about who, who actually wrote the Gita. It was a pretty interesting thing about uh, Krishna, uh, Dvaipayana, Vyasa, and uh, lots, of, uh, lots of people coming in the whole picture. And finally, we came to a conclusion, and I don't know what the conclusion is now, but uh, I, I think... Uh, we can't perhaps attribute it to one person as to who wrote the Gita. Unless, Krishna, you can correct me too. Uh, no, it's just known as an anonymous author as of, yeah. as of that uh, finding. Right, right. And then we uh, we also talked about uh, the... Uh, we, we talked about... Uh, uh, I'm not going in the in the order in, of the shlokas, but we talked about uh, uh, the, the fact that we all perceive that, you know, some of us suffer and we ask the logic, does it make sense to, is it fair for us to suffer now if we did not know what we did in our past life to have the suffering today? And I think the conclusion that we came across was the law of karma is probably a perfect law of karma and we have to accept it and move on. Uh, there was a lot of discussions about uh, karma continuing on that with sukha, dukha and the consequences. And uh, we continued on the discussions on death and uh, we had a we had a point of view uh, to discuss whether death is gory or painful or for whom. Okay, and uh, uh, we left we left it at that without concluding. Um, then uh, then we also talked about the impact of the last thought or the desire that a person has when he takes when he or she takes the last breath and what is its impact. So. Uh, the 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 whole idea is that uh, the last thought will be that thought that is most dominant in us. So it's impossible to game the system and say, okay, at the last minute we will start thinking of uh, thinking of Bhagavan and therefore you'll become become Bhagavan. That is not possible. So we have first of all we don't know when the last minute is going to come, and second thing is at that point of time we will not remember. We will only remember about those things that really matter to us. So. The whole plan, the whole scheme of thing is, you know, if, if you want to make the last, the ending to be good, then the whole life has to be in, live, lived in that particular way. That was the key message in that particular thing. And uh, there was this there was this discussion between, you know, how exactly the Prarabdha Karma, Sanchita Karma and Agami Karma work. So uh, in, 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 in a short, in a nutshell, you know, it's like Prarabdha Karma is an arrow that has been shot. The energy is already there. And it has to go go through its, its course. Sanjita karma is that bucket, bucket of reservoir of all that uh, karma that we have accumulated, from which a little bit of it comes out like prarabdha karma and goes out like an arrow. 
and then agami karma is what we would do in this particular life that will go back into the reservoir of sanchita karma so that something else can be pulled in it's like a big lucky draw you know you just pull pull, pull something and the next agami karma comes for us sorry uh, next uh, uh, sanchita karma prarabdha karma will come for us okay so the last question was uh, uh, that we discussed was okay uh, if i don't even know that i'm going to benefit in this lifetime okay if i do good and if i'm going to get benefit in some other future lifetime should i actually be doing good in this lifetime that was another discussion that we had and i think the conclusion that we came was you know i don't think we have a choice if we if we understand the whole framework of the gita and scriptures and if we believe that this is perhaps a potential truth true statement of what the reality is and how it is we don't have a choice but to do good that's the conclusion that we seem to have come so with that uh, now today we are we are discussing 26 to 30 if i remember right so i'm going to open it up for uh, people and uh, with your aha moments but before that anybody else on on the summary of last session as to what i missed it all right cool let's go with the ahas so this one is uh, you know uh, just to set the context right the way that i have understood these uh, these next next set of shlokas is okay um, now you given me some uh, arjuna is saying okay you have given me some some new found wisdom which i may not want to believe okay therefore you still tell me how it makes sense it, you know i i don't even know whether there is an existence of soul or not right i can only see births and deaths i can see only births and deaths so tell me how does it make sense that's what he seems to be saying and i think beautifully krishna says you know if something is coming and going accept it as its nature and i think that's that's been really hard for many uh, many of us personally for me it was a very difficult thing to accept because when something is coming and going why can't it go after a long time you know why shouldn't the wave of the frequency you know, change right and rather than go like this in a particular way or whichever way that it is why can't it stretch but then the more that you start thinking about it you will realize that you know you don't have control on it it has to go it has to happen in its own way the waves have to happen in its own way so we might as well accept it because there's no control on it yeah i mean vivekananda has a very very sort of famous quote uh, around sort of the same thing as you mentioned rajesh which says that my own karma is sufficient explanation for the ways of the world so it all kind of comes down to sort of that same sort of cause and effect karma i note wrote it down in my notes so i can put it up in in the gd that is a good one
So it looks like all of us are brushing up what we are what we have read the whole week now. <laughs> no, I it, think it's, it's know, a pretty one, it's a pretty challenging topic. I understand one, that. It's a, you know I, as I read through these five shlokas and their commentary, uh, what I realized was that a lot of it was trying to summarize everything that we've gone through till twenty five, and the one thing sort of that sort of caught my attention. is just i think on in 27 in particular i think he's just reiterating it once again the whole idea of reincarnation and that sort of to me seems like the central point of you know this dichotomy of uh, the real i and the transactional i that you know while the the, the real i is permanent and but we've got to kind of address the transactional world in the transactional world i think what the key message to me is that it's reinforcing the the, the concept of uh, of reincarnation and that nothing is gone it's kind of even in 28 for that matter you know i was manifest earlier i am i may not be manifest in between i'll be manifest tomorrow so it's the same sort of theme around reincarnation and that uh, the whole cycle has to continue yeah yeah and and i i must i must kind of you know probably in, in um, Ask ask this question by a vote of vote of hands here, right? You know, we we seem to believe a lot of scientific theories. How you know if we just assume this as a theory, as one other theory, not necessarily scientific, but quote unquote a theory that can explain life. How many of us actually believe in theory of reincarnation? By show of hands. Okay, looks like that's hundred percent almost. I couldn't see Krishna's hands raised because the. <laughs> The, the the phone phone is yes. Krishna, Krishna doesn't have a choice. <laughs> Krishna doesn't have a choice. <laughs> so I, I honestly do not know. I didn't raise my hand because uh, like I I can't fully reconcile reconcile how how that happened. So uh, actually, that was one of my aha moments of this five shlokas. I was a little bit afraid to say it's like kind of like a lot of this is kind of said as a matter of fact, like rather than. Like a lot of the other parts of Gita, where I see it kind of is like a logical proof. You start kind of from first principles, and you state. But maybe, maybe because in chapter two, it's like all the heavy things condensed this one. This kind of uh, said as like a given. Oh, this is index indestructible. It always existed and just passes through. So there, don't grieve. Uh, but but yes, I'm waiting to go through the the rest of the chapters to get like more details on it or enhance my understanding a little bit more before. Uh, Before figuring out how how that actually works, and uh, before I believe in it. So Krishna, uh, I oh, have points from sorry. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, yeah, there were two points that stood out actually in this, and it relates very much to. First one is actually it says pravaha roop se, and what pravaha. Alpana, your voice is a little low. Hello. Hi. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I was saying that. There are two things which which stood out. Actually, to sort of answer your question, one is it says pravaha rupse. Pravaha rupse means that you know, like a river, it's flowing, but new water is coming up. So you don't have to assume that it's the same body. That is, it's not the same jeev which is burning, which is born, <laughs> which is being born again and again. Um, So it is. It's in the first one. So twenty six. He's saying 
even if you as a flow a body is born a life is there and then more life keep coming so like from a tree you have new seeds and then there are new different trees right so in that way also he's trying to explain that it's not that the world will end with us is probably what it is trying to say so so it's not asking you to first assume that reincarnation is there reincarnation is more in the earlier shlokas where it says the atma is one which is uh, you know mm-hmm. threat. that is the first thing and then the second thing which was and which was even though we've been saying it we always when we say reincarnation we assume that this body is again born again because we it is this body we are this body but the body is never born again so the body doesn't have reincarnation and to come to think of it subtle body is not having reincarnation it's the same one which is going through continuing yeah so reincarnation is actually a misnomer the same body is not coming again so it's not a reincarnation the subtle body never died so what is reincarnating yeah just but 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 again it might be semantics but you know it is basically the subtle body which is uh coming uh you call it alive i mean choice of words but it's a subtle body which is kind of getting into another sorry sorry subtle body which is getting into another physical body which is kind of referred to as reincarnation but you're right the subtle body was always there and will always remain until moksha is achieved right so you're right in that sense but i think when we when at least when the way i think of reincarnation is that it comes back into this kind of uh, transactional world the way we the way we look at it and not necessarily as a human being true it would be anything yeah any jiva actually yeah. yeah yeah i was about to say that like so one like i understand it more from the law of conservation of energy point like that seems to make more sense uh that is one and then the other thing is like with the we cannot take it as just human beings alone because like 70 years ago there were only 1 billion people now there are 7 billion people so where did all the new souls come from but if it is from different animals too then we again have to reconcile with like with the evolution of earth kind of theory at certain points different souls were newly being created so uh, that that part to kind of like at some point some other energy kind of became this life energy or the soul energy uh type so that also i was like again the map did not check out so hence i'm trying to like figure out how how that works subtle body the number of subtle bodies is huge infinite yeah, well ah, i see okay no but i think uh, yeah but alpna i think i had a related question to what krishna is asking so i will jump in if you don't mind see i have also thought about this It's like the number of people has gone in the world so that means a lot of uh, jiva maybe your audio your audio is bad you might want to cut off your video i think that means oh okay is it better now yeah okay so uh, what i was saying is that since the number of people on this planet has gone up right um therefore you, sh- you should one assume that lot of jivas had have done good karma to be born as human being because this is supposed to be the topmost layer of being a jeev and therefore there is a dichotomy that in kaliyug 
so many jivas are doing good stuff to be human beings so i was just trying to wrap my head head around this whole notion of why is it happening like that in a kaliyug and if it is kaliyug that's the underlying assumption obviously so rajesh it's not the actually karmas are not done in any other yoni so they can't do better work and take a human form you get human from from doing karma in human form only but you may take some time in other you sh- you may have to go through other uh, species to come back in this karma in this human form so it's not that they are doing anything good they are doing based upon what their prarab is they, so they they don't accumulate any new sort of karma right but the question related to that what vp said was that look i mean we've also heard that everyone will eventually achieve moksha which means everyone uh, will become human at some point and so I, where I does this kind think, of i don't think we assume that everybody gets a moksha i mean that is the you know the way i understood it vp was that that is the goal of yes uh, goal yes any any existence right and at least that's how i understood it maybe i was wrong but i was given to understand that it is a matter of time it could take millions of lives perhaps but eventually we all get there right some will get it in this birth some will get after million births right uh, that's how i understood i may be wrong i don't know whether whether rajesh or alpana have any thoughts on that i i had a, a point first thing is uh, in terms of we talked about the numbers right you know 1 billion to 7 billion my understanding is just the number of bacteria inside a single person's human body is probably a few trillions okay and now you do the math there are so many beings on the land under the sea in the air now you do the math the bacteria inside them the microbes inside them you do the math you'll know what what exactly is the scale of things and humans are insignificant in that and but they can cause significant damage to the, the to the environment and to the nature and, and they can change the course of nature the way it is that's one point second point is ajay to to your point you know uh, one lifetime or million lifetimes everyone is on the path of moksha is only when the person is assuming that they are either the body or the mind or a combination of them but the moment you step out of that particular thing and move into the sixth dimension let's say you know the five dimensions is your you know five or eight dimensions five dimensions your five sense organ dimensions and mind and your manobuddhi chittam ahankaram okay so let's say that those eight eight dimensions you step out of that eighth dimension and move to the ninth dimension and then you say okay i am this ninth dimension then whatever happens in the eight dimensions really doesn't matter actually it is all just a play like on the on the on the screen so it's not a, it's the million births and all those things is still we are kind of you know falling back on the old ways of our thinking because that's where we are right now okay from a theoretical perspective all this what is what is happening is all uh, you know it's just a play you know this is one one soul everywhere that's it no that's a good point like so there was one uh, one nice uh, statistic i read that apparently in the human body if you look at all the human cells and then look at the number of bacteria cells it's unicellular uh, 90% of the cells are actually bacteria so only 10% of the cells in the human body is human cells so it's more like they actually want us to keep this 10% for them to survive rather than the the other way that we are hosting the bacteria so that's like one way uh, of uh, looking 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 at that uh, big balance of things but then we kind of go back to a little bit on the if we go on the bacteria route 
thinking about all life forms have this fundamental energy or soul like rather than think of it as any more about brain or mind or intellect then it goes to the the atma soul part which which i agree that part makes sense like if, if every single uh, cellular form that has what we define as life as that soul then that is like a very very huge large number and i just no, want to add sonali just yeah uh, quite quite no i just wanted to say one more thing for vijay uh, for rajesh's question vp rajesh that about kalyug having more people because a lot of people in last kalyug may have died with these these uh, desires which can only be fulfilled during a, uh, a kalyug you know then they wouldn't be born in satyug right so imagine they would have been waiting for three yugas and coming now maybe you don't know it's all it's all what desire you die with so you may have to wait for a long time to come back as a human being and you know now more humans may be created that could be one possible so know. so where are you in that interim are you just hanging around somewhere in unmanifested form in some <laughs> loka or those million microbes in one body right <laughs> all ah, of them okay <laughs> so so that's what i was saying earlier then you could be going you could become a different species and then come back into the human form only after but how do you graduate from that to come back into the human form that's the that's what is unclear to me before you come into that you have to pay for certain things and then you come back so it's not that you are generating new income being in that uh, other species right but then how do you pay for it if you don't have any prarabh in that particular form you have you have your bank balance is huge with sanchit karma from millions of births <clears throat> millions of human births so one of the things that so see, is, just, sorry sorry rajesh go ahead so just going back to rajesh's question so i think it's a good theory <laughs> but i think it's a little um you know it's a good theory which sort of helps you understand a lot of things but i think at some questions it sort of at least breaks down for me so uh, that's yeah, where i, I come out on it yeah i wanted to say so in uh, support of what krishna's question is see uh, human beings population is increasing everything is increasing so are the population of animals or the bacteria and micro microbes everything everything is just have some soul the number of everything is increasing as time goes by okay so how do you account for that like where is the soul the soul is getting created new soul is getting created to account for the increase in population of almost everything no so souls are not increasing if, if human if human bodies are getting create more human population is there every human body has so many millions of bacteria so those many millions of bacteria into so many human beings so everything is multiplying most of the things in general are multiplying if if not in one form maybe in another form but in general population is increasing so it may be one animal form is uh, getting extended but there is another animal form which may be multiplying you know maybe cockroaches are multiplying maybe rats are multiplying i don't know i haven't taken some total of all but my general impression is in general population is increasing of living organisms of living organisms be it bacteria be it uh, human beings be it animal this is my in general opinion i don't know the form maybe 
which form, but in general, it is increasing. So how do you account for the new soul created to you know, account for each and every uh, living form? So then is, it, is it possible that, uh, that you know, there are unmanifested forms for a while, then they're all getting manifested you know, now? Yeah, that's true because no subtle bodies ever, new subtle bodies are not getting created. They're infinite. They must so have got created at one point. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? They must have got created at one point. Some point they must have got created. So that's where that's where Krishna says they have never been created. It's yeah. an illusion. It's from ignorance. <laughs> huh? From ignorance. Ignorance. Ignorance is the is the cause for all of this. So nothing is really created, but ignorance created them. So you mean to say X, X, X number of subtle bodies were there and that X number is just constant for, I don't know, age long? What's huh? the definition of infinite? You can't count them. It cannot be X numbers. It is infinite. Infinite. So in that case, okay. Even if you take out infinite, which are enlightened, still infinite will be left. And we have uh, spoken about how, um, you know, the, these subtle bodies can exist in different planes or, you know, so they may not be manifested in this, the world that we know, right? So, so maybe we're not seeing all of them. We don't know what population changes have happened in those planes, in those worlds. Yeah, just because we don't measure doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they are not changing. They are changing, but not measuring is no indication that nothing is happening there. For example, we are still only discovering X number of species of animals or living beings in the world today. And my understanding is that whatever the number of life forms that we apparently have on land, there are about 10X or maybe 100X as much underwater. And that one is not documented or you know, or even uh, uh, figured out by science still, because we're still discovering new, new species of new, new octopuses somewhere and all that stuff. Now think about it. Within each species, there are millions of millions and millions of uh, quote unquote same genre of uh, uh, living beings. And within each of these living beings, there are millions and millions of bacteria, maybe of different types of different in each of the species. So it's, I would say it's just in, infinite. It's just, we just have to step back and rather than do the math mathematically, we should just accept it at a conceptual level and say, okay, it looks like there's an infinite. And even despite the fact that all these infinite quote unquote creatures with all the physical bodies and subtle bodies in whichever manifestation that they are, they keep moving here and there. And how do I reconcile that to that fact? And then is there a theory? And that's where the question is like, you know, is there a theory? The answer is, there is no theory other than reincarnation theory that can perfectly explain this idea of movement, this idea of not, not just a movement, this idea of unition, okay, a connected living organism across the entire universe today. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's hard to prove the theory of reincarnation, but it does explain pretty much everything. So that's, that's another different way to look, look at it. You know, in, in Shloka 27, I think, you know, Swami uh, very nicely explains this. And this is the only place where both the theists and atheists, you know, so they come and there's a common meeting point because both of them believe that, you know, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, you know, they believe in, I mean, there is, they, they know that there is a death and uh, birth, right? So I think 
and that's the reason why almost everybody raised their hand uh, rajesh <laughs> yeah but, but but what you said you know sakuba makes a lot of sense and from a practical perspective the value of that particular insight here is how i would apply it right see if we if we assume for a moment okay let's say that you know th- there is a person mr x or miss miss y who does not believe in theory of reincarnation okay then what happens is their entire life is unpredictable for them because they don't know when they are going to die okay and then they are living in fear of death all all through their life right now there is a mr x or a miss y who believes in theory of reincarnation then what happens to that person suddenly the person does not the person knows there is no end point the person knows that it's infinite automatically then what happens to the fear of death for that person now the question is whether you want to believe a theory or not you know nobody cares whether the theory is proven and all that stuff the point is is it helping us to live a life which is out of fear outside of fear is it possible if the answer is yes then why can't we adopt it the reincarnation theory alone will not uh, you know get you out of the fear of death you know i think you need to uh, that's one thing that can explain but i don't think it com- it can completely explain people will have to be um, uh, you know like it should be logically understood by the person and accept it before you know you can actually believe it so there, sh- there should be some i mean if it's some hoax or a false thing which maybe a particular religion doesn't believe or certain sect of people doesn't believe then there is no way they are going to believe it you know unless there is some element of truth or there is some logic to it and you can actually say like prove or some to some extent that actually does happen and that's why you know you need to accept it unless if it's just a hoax or just a fly you know fly of a thing why would somebody believe fair, we are hindu we are hindu we are hindus we we have had certain you know way of bringing up and beliefs and you know with our social customs and whatever it is so we believe in it but for somebody maybe from our another religion or some other sect might not believe unless you know unless you I, there is some truth or you know some proof that you can give it to that person if a fair point sonali maybe we'll have to park that part of uh, proof yeah. because here we are we're trying to understand whether you know uh, a particular quote and quote even if it is unbelievable theory whether it is if we, if if we if we open up our minds to a concept then it would help us or not i mean i see a lot of people you know people who start, trade in stock markets they will they will be able to narrate this right they will find x number of signals they'll find some correlation and they'll say okay if i buy this stock now i think it'll it'll go up you know on what basis you know has has there been any proof there's there's probably you know they'll do some regression analysis and all that stuff and they'll say okay based on that but but is it 100% proven all the time does it work answer is no they'll say okay 80% of the time it works therefore i will i'll choose it or 55% of the time it works and that means they have a formula and when they have the formula they are able to make that money right they are able to apply that particular wisdom but is it a quote and quote a proven thing answer is no is there truth in it answer is no is there elements of shady truth in it answer is yes so point is but they are able to apply that the, the same point that i am trying to say here the uh, whether you whether one wants to believe it or not no need to kind of you know convince the entire world are we do we want to live out of fear or do we want to live without fear that's the question and if you want to live without fear there is this one aspect of the, this theory that can help us out sorry i interrupted yeah uh no um, i have a question in the sense that i i mean that there's some line i read somewhere um so it says 
కర్మ బంధ వినాశాయ భక్తి ముక్తి ప్రదాయనే రైట్ టు రెడ్యూస్ దట్ కర్మ ఆర్ అటాచ్మెంట్ యు యు అడాప్ట్ దీస్ కైండ్స్ ఆఫ్ వేస్ రైట్ భక్తి ఆర్ వాట్ ఎవర్ వేస్ వీ ఆర్ టాకింగ్ అబౌట్ బట్ ఐ డోంట్ థింక్ సో వీ హ్యావ్ ఎనీ ఫియర్ ఆఫ్ డెత్ ఐ థింక్ we have um, kind of what will happen to the at- attachments we have established over the years right um i i don't i, I don't know that that's my my i i don't think so i have fear of death i i have like what will happen to my daughter or what will happen to um, her or someone else or the attachments over years i have formed right so how do i disassociate uh, not not physically but mentally right what will happen to them and that is the fear i have um especially i know that they'll live their lives but still there is that subtle um thing in my head right i i can't fully detach myself right mentally so that that's the thing i'm having uh, difficulty in yeah if that makes sense so that makes a lot of sense that she and i kind of uh, was talking to rajesh the other day and you know especially in the, the times that we live in with the pandemic etc uh, you know you realize that it is not as much about sort of what might happen to us as much as what might happen to our near and dear ones and so the fear of death you're absolutely right i had the same sort of uh, sort of thought that it's it's about sort of people that we are attached with that is the cause of a lot of anxiety and uh, you know grief at least you know in, in your mind and and it's it's less about ourselves i mean we kind of i think we can reconcile to the whole idea of death a lot easier easily but reconciling to the idea of losing somebody and and you're absolutely correct i mean it's all a function of being attached and i don't know what what the answer is because being detached in this world where you know the transactional world where relationships are important some, somehow i kind of struggle with that aspect that how do you get detached especially where you know relationships are critical uh, to to live a good life but isn't that w- what this is all about right because krishna is telling arjun not to grieve about his attachments right bhishma and drona and others so i think that's what we're trying to understand here i think this can really help us can we just sorry, sorry to interject but that is a scenario where there is an added element of dharma and adharma so in a way sort of krishna is telling arjuna that you know do not sort of get attached because you are on the side of dharma and so you got to do your duty i am looking at it more from our day to day life uh, where it's not a question of dharma adharma it is just a question of attachment and uh, to let go when there is no apparent reason to to justify it if you will is kind of different and somewhat harder it is for me or at least that's how it, i think about 
the the thing is, yes, I agree with you, Manu, and um, everyone that yes, the Gita says that whatever we are learning, the scriptures and everything say that we know this is hundred percent yes. Whoever believes in reincarnation or whatever, yeah, we believe in that. That's why we are. We are working towards that. That's why we are all here. But the thing is, yes, we probably are 50% or 60% or some even 90 or 100% or 99% there, right? So, but the thing is, um, for someone like me, at least I'm, I can't, I believe in this, but I can't, I'm, I'm struggling to drop that and say, okay, I'm 100% with what Gita says, right? That that's the thing. I, I believe in that. How to be hundred percent? That that's being difficult. That's all I'm saying. No, it's it's certainly difficult. But I I think Altna had said uh, one time, right? That it's not that you're letting go of the attachments, but you're letting go of the expectations that are that come with those attachments. So I think that's what we need to focus on. It's not like because you know obviously you can't let go of I don't know may not be obvious, but, you know, it, it's hard to let go of the attachments. But what we can work on is letting go of the expectations that come with those attachments, you know, with, so I, I, that made a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, it, it's still, I still need uh, to deliberate over it, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I think it helps uh, provide a path, you know, through this. Uh, I, I have. I, I just want to say something. When we say we are attached, if you actually dig a bit deeper, uh, take for instance your uh, your child. Yeah, you say you're attached to your child. Uh, then the child comes back and says, "You know what? I don't give a damn who you are. You did a horrible job as a parent. You know, or whatever." Uh, and then you start thinking, huh, okay, am I being so attached? So I, I'm not sure we're attached to the person, but what the person brings into our life so it makes us happy. So the end of it, it is all about ourselves. I think we are just giving that we are attached to people, but if that person turns around and is not the way they are supposed to be, we will detach ourselves very quickly. So uh, I think <laughs> I think it's more about, uh, uh, yeah, it's then, more about me, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly, uh, Chitra. Okay, that, okay. That's what Alpana was also, you know, when I had asked the question and our other group, Alpana said the same thing, that it's the expectations that we have of those people, right? That's what we need to drop. So, yeah, yeah. Just, such a simple expectations like just the physical presence of a person, a near or dear one, you know, next to you. Yeah. You know, maybe while you're eating, maybe you're not even talking to that person, but just the physical presence. Like maybe your parent, maybe the parent is very aged and ill, but just the physical presence and the absence of that person, you know, the voidness of that person. I mean, how do you define that as attachment and being detached? I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I find it difficult to understand. You have, to, you have to go deeper, Sonali, and ask yourself, what is it that physical presence is giving you? It is uh, what, what, what 
inside what need inside you is that physical what presence what does a parent what does a parent give it to you what does a parent give it to you depends different people it will be different no so you have to know no, for, for yourself me, maybe, for me maybe you know some support just just a feeling that somebody older than me senior than me is there just a feeling of security maybe exactly feeling exactly. of security maybe so once that is gone you know so you lose that you are, you feel you are alone in the world yes yes chitra spoke directly the conversation happened between yagyavel and my friend i can't hear you alpana hello yeah much better yeah in fact chitra spoke directly out of the conversation that happened between yagyavel and my friend considered as one of the highest conversation that we love anything but for ourselves we do not love anything for them you don't love money for money otherwise you will not spend it you love money because you want to spend it on yourself or anybody who's related to you you love your husband for yourself not for the husband you love your kids for yourself not for the kids you love your parents for yourself not for the parents and that's that that's the way he described as attachment actually straight out of that exactly yeah. what is yeah okay yeah. i i wanted to come back for um, a few mutations back when you were talking about you know the the cycle this the cycle of when um you know who has karma and how many people and germs and all of that right i wanted to say something related to that but it also affects this uh point on attachment uh which is um, i think it's all about when we got awareness when we have awareness that there is this attachment uh when we have awareness that there is a cycle of life uh when we have awareness what karma does what a good or bad karma does for us for future births and and this came up in a in a recent thing which i was not sure whether i should post it in the book in in the in the main chat but i'll i'll describe it a little bit so that i saw nearly a two hour discussion between two uh, uh, atheist scientists uh, anthropologists and if you ever heard of jared diamond who wrote guns germs and steel and uh, and, and richard dawkins who's written, who's written selfish gene i mean these are two giants in anthropology who kind of you know completely changed uh, the way we understand our evolution one of the one of the things and and they, it was very interesting and they, they their topic of discussion was the use of religion how has religion helped man so one of the things they concede straight off is that actually from an evolutionary point of view if religion did not have any use then atheistic societies would have dominated in in the 70s which I thought was a very powerful statement for religion um so one thing is they say religion is good but then they give all these societal excuses they avoid the spirituality uh, world right and which is what we are talking over here the distinction between religion and spirituality is pretty cool but the other thing that is really important which which i'd never thought of is 4% of our gene pool is from neanderthals which means that sometime back neanderthals and and homo sapiens cohabitated they had babies together um and you know so they talk about 32000 years back there would have been people who were 100% neanderthals 
75% Neanderthals and 25% humans, 50-50, 25% humans, uh, 20, uh, 75% human and 25 uh, Neanderthals. And Neanderthals were animals. They, they, they didn't have karma. They were, they were basically, you know, our ancestors, but they were part our ancestors. They, you know, just like a deer or a fish, they did deeds, you know, the, the, the three Fs, um, without thinking, they don't have they don't have choice. Uh, but they were talking about at what point, and, and from a religious point of view, at what point did this God start taking care of human beings as a special class? That was their point as as atheists, and they were sort of rejecting the the whole principle of religion on the basis that there was a gradual changing from you know hundred percent Neanderthals to ninety six percent human. So. It, what strikes is that it comes down to awareness. It is when human beings actually had awareness of this whole system of how the universe works, that invisible consciousness. And everything that, you, you know, everything that anybody said over here in today's chat is about, it really points on, it becomes much simpler if you focus on that awareness is, is what I wanted to say. So sorry for this long Thing, but if, if anybody's interested, I can forward you that that talk. It's very fascinating to see two atheists talk about the role of religion in society. Uh, so there. No, I think I've been posting my questions on the chat uh, till Rajesh said Shelly just jump in, but I can see so many hands are up. I wanted everybody to first speak up before I could jump in. I think just to get the conversation back. On one hand, because I'm finding this conversation very paradoxical, you know, uh, with your study of Gita and Tattva Bodha, we are talking about, you know, it's all Maya, right? So where is, where is any logic to existence in any, uh, any form, whether microbes or plants on, you know, if you're able to anchor on that reality, does the whole story of reincarnation should matter at all? You know, if, if you're able to anchor your thought on it. Sometimes we find it difficult to anchor there. That's the reason in the Maya word, probably we keep looking for a logic. Second conversation, I think, which I'm not able to um, put my finger on or hand on is, is there a hierarchy, you know, um, human form versus microbes versus plant versus animals versus who decides that hierarchy, you know? Just because I'm in the human form right now, I'm just saying I'm the smartest. Um, can I kind of hear what plants have to say against this? You know, I don't know. So uh, I think that is what I'm struggling with. So that's the reason um, I'm ambivalent about, uh, just like Krishna, about reincarnation. Uh, I was completely non-believer, but I've moved to being ambivalent to reincarnation story. Because human to human formation, there has been enough scientific uh, uh, studies like, you know, past life regression analysis that people have spoken about. Uh, then I think there is a program on Netflix where um, uh, there is a professor in University of Virginia who's been studying about past life for 21 years, 25 years. And there are actual case studies that he's presented, you know. But these are all cases where people had a past human life have now come back to the human life. So they remember their past, uh, which house they lived in, whom they were born to, what were they doing and all that. But there is no study where I have seen which talks about bird to a human being or a plant to a human being or any such 
correlation. So, um, I don't know, any views on that? And as far as I think what Rajesh said, um, uh, some time to accept death because uh, many a times based on your own experience, experiences of sufferings that you see, you can get fearful about death, you know. Uh, while every, all of us know that's a natural uh, end or that's a natural destiny uh, in this life. So I guess probably to minimize suffering, probably to minimize uh, 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 that fear, uh, there are huge amount of stories, I don't know, of reincarnation or uh, I, I have no idea. But these were the questions which are going on in my mind. How, how do you deal with this paradoxical situation and the hierarchy that we are talking about? Sorry, I just took the conversation somewhere else. I could take a shot at it. You know, I think, uh, uh, see, at, at some point of time, uh, uh, you know, as we, uh, as the fundamental identity of human beings, like, like you know, especially the science-oriented, uh, science logic-oriented people like that we are, or we think that we are, uh, is uh, shaken with some some sort of a incident that happens in our life. What happens is we will start questioning whether our beliefs, what we hold on to, is the right beliefs or not, or whether they need to be replaced with new beliefs or not. Okay. Now, uh, if you ask me, is there a proof for theory of reincarnation, or if if those studies that are done in University of Virginia prove that there have been people who have reincarnated from human to human to human, you know, I could all anybody could argue saying that it's all. BS or anybody could say, yeah, this has been 21 year old study, therefore it should be true. You know, you could have both sides of the coin. Okay. So for all, uh, for all you might know, I might want, I might want to say it does not matter. I don't need proof. Okay. But the point is there is this kida in me, which says, okay, how can I make sense of this entire concept? Okay. Am I dying? If it means that, that's what it is, but I don't want to die. Okay. Therefore, is there another way that I can another anchor that I can hook on to, okay? Like, you know, uh, uh, someone was mentioning, saying that, okay, you know, I need these relationships because I need security. I need this relationship because I have to feel important or I feel that I'm protected, right? Those kind of things. But that is one hook, okay? Fine. If you want to have that hook, let's have it. No problem with it, okay? But the question is, is there a bigger hook that I can take on? Where, like, imagine if I'm imagining myself like a cow put into a lamppost, and with a rope tied in with, let's say, 20 feet, okay? I'm going to move around only in the perimeter. Now I want a bigger rope, okay, where I can have a bigger, you know, gamut of operations. Now, if is there another theory that would help me? I may not want to believe it, but is there another alternate theory, okay, that I may, that can explain some of these concepts that, that has been going on, that, that Kida can be removed from my mind. I found this theory, okay? So now... Now, if you guys ask me whether I believe it or not, I started off some years back saying that it's all BS. Now, I, I, I see no other way other than to believe this theory, okay, for me to make peace of the entire universe. So the question is, my point is very simple. I really don't, I really don't know, you know, tomorrow whether I'm going to die, going to be born as a human being or as a microbe in somebody's stomach. I have no clue. But the point is. Can I make sense? Can I can I be still okay with it? Answer is yes, I can be okay with it. If that is the case, then why can't I accept something and move on that gives me that peace and confidence that it prolongs what I want to be? 
in my mind that sounds more logical right it's more like looking for an anchor or a, creating a new belief or creating a new uh, that improves your way of life you know simplistically if that was to way uh, yeah. the way to put it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and also just, yeah sorry go ahead finish sorry uh, sorry alpana and also see think about it okay you know forget about this theory of reincarnation and all that see even in a real practical life you think about it okay we are holding on to our identity as mr x or miss y and think about what happens when someone threatens your identity okay if someone if if i think that i am a great intellectual and someone threatens my idea trust me immediate defenses will shoot up why because we don't want that um, dissonance within our sense of identity okay but the, but the life is like that life is going to put us into situations which is going to threaten our sense of identity which means you cannot say you know all of you don't do what you have to do because this is my sense of identity that is not how we are, we are going to operate we are going to strengthen ourselves and say okay oh looks like this is not my sense of identity because you know something else could be my sense of identity then you keep moving in now what is the framework to identify what is your sense of identity and where it is today is there a framework at all scientific framework okay i have not found it where did i find it i found it in the gita now the point is i still don't want to believe let's say i don't want to believe it okay i i said okay i'm going to experiment with it did that experiment yield results what was the results the results was did i have more peace did my fear reduce am i more at harmony with with things happening i'm not saying everything is harmonious okay i'm saying i'm more at harmony fir right answer was yes so the question was why i shouldn't adopt it sorry alpana krishna uh, kishor go ahead uh, okay yeah no a uh, couple of points i know they may um, in terms of this theory they mean we may not have uh, proof just like there is no i mean direct proof of let's say the big bang theory or whatnot but then there is evidence right i mean there is uh, evidence all around and this is one plausible theory is is how i see it and then as you uh, you know in the spirit of inquiry which is which is why uh, we we are on this path right we we are not going to just believe something for uh, because it's said so um but we give it some credence and um and then start to inquire <coughs> based on that right so it in the same way that even in science you give it some credibility that it came from somebody that you um uh, you respect and and there is credibility there and then you start to uh, understand more it, it isn't that same way right so how else can we um you know how how else can we explain many of the happenings first thing how how can you explain the fact that even though we are all humans we are so different how do you explain that um how do you explain that somebody has a liking for certain things uh while the same things is not liked by somebody else uh you know why would somebody like this type of ice cream or this type of food whereas somebody else really hates that how, how do you explain these kind of things as an example uh and um, how do you explain how uh, there are these uh, geniuses that are able to do uh, a lot of things even in their very young age right in in when they're five or four or what not they display certain level of talent that you cannot otherwise explain because then other others and why others are not in the same way right 
Um, so when, at least for me, when I started uh, looking into this, thinking deeper into this, it, it I, I came to the realization that the law of karma is a very, very plausible theory. And um, there's a lot of proof. There's yet another proof that's provided by uh, in one of the books that I read that how can you explain that there is fear of death, even in a small child? How, I mean, the child is not born with, I mean, they, they don't know death. They've not been taught anything about it. They've not seen it, but not at least in this birth. But they are, there is a fear of death. They, even a fly, I mean, you try to swat it, it's trying to escape and tries to um, preserve its current um, form. So how do you explain all that? Right. So the, uh, at least in this book, Swamiji explains that it's because you've experienced it before. Right. So there was death before that experience is there in a very subtle form and that shows up in the next form. Right. So, and in, in terms of these geniuses, yes, there was some, uh, they did, uh, they carry, they're carrying forward a lot of the work that has happened in the previous birth that's manifesting in a different way here in this birth. Or you're born to certain parents. Yes, you've done certain things that is giving you an advantage in this current birth. So there's evidence from those kind of things. And also we are able to explain a lot of the occurrences around us through this theory, right? So um, for me, it satisfies um, uh, uh, these questions. Right? Why, why is that somebody born in this way? Why is somebody born in this other way? And so on. It, it does satisfy and answer those questions. And, um, and I, I see that they are at least gone ahead and tried to answer this, right? May, may, yeah, this is a very hard problem to have a, a good solution for. And this seems like a, a very um, satisfying answer. Uh, at least, you know, we may not be able to prove it, but we cannot poke too many holes in it either. Um, so that's that's that. I just wanted to mention it. Alpana, you were saying something. I was, uh, yeah, no, beautifully explained both of you. And just to your point, uh, Shelley, about that paradoxical thing, if we are Brahman, then and all this is Maya. I think these are two levels of reality. First of all, we need to understand. If you are established in Brahman, there are no questions. There is no hierarchy. There is no duality at, at all that itself is appearing. Now, for that to appear, there is no randomness, is all we are trying to say in this particular Maya world. There is causation. Causation is, Maya is defined as causation, space and time. So anything that happens doesn't happen at a random, in this appearance. So yes, it's, it appears to be paradoxical, but yes, when you are in Brahman, when you are established in that absolute truth, there is no duality. There is no hierarchy. There is no birth, death, suffering, nothing. Right? But in this appearance where we are associating with this particular body, that is where all these things come. Again, humans are not considered as smartest. The devatas, all of them are way beyond, above us. But they cannot reach um, self-realization. So what they say is human birth is almost like the, um, uh, what they call as the, ground floor. You can only exit from there. So there are devtas on the higher floor. There are other um, species which are considered more in the basement. You all have to come to the ground floor to exit. So that's why the human birth is considered that this is the one where it, you can exit from. 
so that's where there is sort of hierarchy but what we need to understand is each uh, each uh, species that we talk about i think we have spoken about it that they all have a life to fulfill certain type of desires so it's not the hierarchy in terms of whether any of the species other than this are more evolved or less evolved they are bhog yoni depending on what the desires are right this is the only where only place where karma is done and hence it is different from the other species so so there's not particularly a hierarchy i would say because rest of the birds are based upon the desire you have you get dev yoni because you have a desire to be an indra you want to rule the world from the heavens if you're and you have to do some prerequisite work that goes with it so it's not that you just desire will but whatever you desire you work towards that that's in general you know how we've seen our life to be whatever we desire we would work towards it so hence i think that's where all these things fit in that yes there is an appearance which has causation and to to you know to to kishore's point this causation is very important to give us peace even while living in this not believing in brahman not getting that that every the world is actually the most fair thing you can think of because we are always bombarded that world is not fair you get it sometimes you do not get it in fact you believe in luck and destiny more if you are denying karma theory as opposed to that if you believe in karma theory you are saying you are responsible for everything you are not relying on anything external to you even though we keep saying oh there are so many external things that you know has to come together for any success but that's all because of your karmas so i think i thought these points you know bring you know what your question is because it's a very deep question yes we all question you know, on one hand we are reading tatva bodha and saying but we are not still as clear that once that direct realization will come that we are brahman these questions i'll tell you will vanish in a split second you'll have no questions and just to add to what you said alpna i mean even if you have question, questions i mean even if you are not able to establish yourself in brahman the transactional reality you know we talk about is it scientific it is very very logical it is uh, you know we may not understand it all but the fact is that people who understand it have all the answers i mean i'm sort of far from it but if you talk to the more learned people i mean they will be able to rationalize them I in the explanation that uh, that rajesh and you gave around uh, the fact that we are all in sort of love with ourselves and that kind of causes attachment that is a beautiful answer so i think there are there are answers for everything in the theory of karma or the the, the logic of karma we some, we get part of it we don't get part of it but the fact is that you know as as somebody said you know it has answers to all the questions of of human life right uh and so to say that it is unscientific just because we don't have the ability intellect or whatever to prove it is a bit sort of uh you know i, I don't think that's the right way to look at it fact is that it is a very simple logical explanation we're responsible for our own destiny there is nothing called luck uh luck is a is a is is essentially you know, somebody i think then and sarswati said you know luck is there, there is no luck there is no unearned grace to say that you know i got grace out of nowhere is wrong i mean that is also a consequence of karma you've earned even grace is earned and that again goes back to karma so i what i have sort of at least kind sort of realized 
and in all situations if we can get our head around karma then it is kind of passport to sort of you know rationalizing everything that goes around us uh, what the way the way kishore so beautifully explained you know just to add to that ajay uh, because if you don't believe or give it that uh, uh, credibility then you're saying that everything is random yeah if this is not true then everything is random you know uh, i'm born to certain uh, parents and um, certain things happen to me everything is completely random uh, now does that are you believing in that do you feel that everything is random Completely, completely, and you know, look. It's been this. This Vedas are about five thousand plus years old. In five thousand years, no one has come to better answer, right? So, I mean, there yeah. is no reason to not believe uh, the theory of karma for that reason. For two reasons. One is that you know, one it explains that. Folks, can you please mute your mics if you're not speaking? It, it explains everything uh, pretty can much. Can you please uh, mute your mics if you're not speaking? And two. there isn't any theory and it's not like you know no one has been able to come up with the theory in the last 1500 years it's few thousand years and just one more thing i think shelly to your point about whether we have a proof um if we accept it you know jad bharat's story he remembered his past birth and he went from bharat to being a deer back to human and he remembered all of his births now you may say it's uh, it's a hallucination or something but he remembered exactly he remembered all the teachings because in his last birth he didn't even go to the school but he knew all the texts by heart so how do you prove that so he did go from one species to another and he remembered it sorry just one example there's also another example narada once became a little haughty and uh, he goes to vishnu and vishnu says vishnu wants to teach him a lesson and he says go to this uh, kid and give him that gyan whatever that you know he goes and uh, he, he he goes to i mean he says go to this some some animal you know in the low end of the spectrum right quote and quote and shaili will answer the question that you asked sometime back later the way I understood right so he goes and he goes and when he goes to that particular creature within a few minutes the creature dies okay then he comes back narada comes back and again vishnu sends him to another creature okay slightly evolved creature like that you know he keeps on going five six times and finally he goes to one uh, he, uh, vishnu sends him to one human kid okay and then the human kid, then narada now is saying you know every time i go there the kid is dying what can i do the, the that being is do it dying and i teach teach that kid the brahmagyan and the kid is dying you know i, I think i'm this is not right you know you're making me kill and all that stuff so he goes there and so he, he asked that that human kid okay what uh, uh, you know i'm going to tell you this and all that stuff then at that time the kid basically says that you know uh, the, by mere association with you who such a great person i have transcended so many births and have come to the human being birth now and now with this association i'll go back to brahman so in the whole process he realizes narada realizes that quote and quote whatever he was thinking that he was great and all that stuff is all you know his own ego it was actually the the bigger the bigger man the supreme krishna who is making him do all these things it's a maya what he was playing around with that's and that story also shows it's a story again the story shows that there has been a being who has migrated from the low end lizard or whatever to to a human being that's one thing now there was one question that you asked uh, uh, shaili which i know I, i i remember having read this how do you distinguish between uh, how do you how does the scriptures say okay i'm not saying whether right or wrong okay please let's not debate on whether it's right or wrong but what do the scriptures specify if you say 
a particular creature is at a lower level of evolution versus a higher level of evolution. It's determined by the number of sense organs what that particular entity has. For example, a living being has five and that's the maximum apparently beings on this earth can have, okay? Five sense organs. Whereas if you go to other end of spectrum, let's say I'm not talking about the bacteria and all that stuff, let the trees, they have one sense of touch, okay? People say you can sing music and all that stuff, but I don't think, uh, you know, trees grow because of music. They touch. Sense of touch is what is the most important thing. And in between, you can see, for example, snakes. Snakes don't have a sense of hearing, okay? Snakes have all other senses except sense of hearings. So there is a hierarchy clearly. And um, uh, and why? How is this applicable in, in our real life? The point is, if there is a choice of food that anyone has to make as human beings, okay, choose the one which has got lower number of sense organs than the higher sense, of, sense organs. That's the practical applications. That's why, you know, for example, some, some people eat fish and they call themselves vegetarians. I, I, I'm not too bothered about vegetarian. You know, between eating a chicken and a fish, okay, a fish is more preferred than a chicken for this very reason. Very interesting. Uh, Rajesh, a question. Rajesh, a question. So if snakes can't hear, then snake charmers are just fooling us all, all the time. Yeah. 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 They actually say that. They they also say that they can't, they, uh, they don't drink milk. So that's also something which is not correct. I, I don't know if Charlie, this theory of mine will help anyone, but um, this this is why I believe in whatever we are discussing. Um, so th all that we are discussing is a very subtle concept, right? You can't see it or feel it, subtle body and all that. Um, uh, to a certain extent, some, some people can. Um, and to prove that it exists, it probably there, there will be some science or AI or neuroscience or some other science which will prove maybe this is just theory right but i don't know in it'll happen during my lifetime right i may not be able to hear also right but one thing helped me to cling on to is faith and whatever we are discussing makes sense to me because if i can see it in my lifetime what else can I hook on to? And that is the faith, right? And, and all these discussions helped me to achieve at least two things over the last two, three years that we have been. One is anything that happens to me earlier, I used to feel, why me? So that concept has totally dropped. Right. I now know it's because of whatever karma or whatever it is. The other thing I used to fear about was um, if something happens, I mean, to the physical me or the, the, the not the real I, right? <laughs> um, the I, right? Um, will I be wasting others' time to help me get out of that situation or whatever? take off my suffering or whatever it is, right? 
I used to think I, I don't want to be, I don't, I never want to be in that position, right? It, now I realize it's not in my hands. It's in, because of my karma, if others are helping, it's because of their karma or whatever, right? That gives me peace. So that concept has also dropped to some extent, right? The third thing I am a little bit struggling on is um, the attachments, right? There's something, I mean, so many things have happened over the last two, three years. And I'm, and I think everyone, and we talked about it in the beginning of this session also, in one way or the other, it, it does impact us a lot, right? So that is the, but, but at least, at least we try to bypass to some extent that situation by clinging on to something like faith or whatever we're de discussing and think about that is also karma, right? To some extent. So th that's where I am, but I'm not 100%, but to some extent I'm, I am, I know, we are all moving in the right direction. That's all. And believe at some point we will get there. That, that's, way, that's the way I think. And the other thing is, um, I mean, even scientifically, right? So I'm able to communicate with you, but I can't see the direct line between you and me right now, right? There's a wavelength, right? Uh, of course, frequency and all that we talk about scientifically, but I can't see it. Right? The, these are the things that that's my two cents. Well said, Lakshmi. I think uh, uh, what you what you shared, uh, you know, in terms of how it benefited you, is very very powerful. And thank you for that. Appreciate it so much. We are at seven thirty a.m. Uh, Pacific time. I think we probably don't have much time. But uh, uh, we will give maybe uh, 30 more seconds for anyone who has not spoken to share their thoughts uh, before we conclude our session today. Hey, uh, Guntax, this, uh, I just want to add a quick word here. Um, a lot of uh, beautiful uh, comments from everyone. Um, Shaili, your question is uh, is pretty deep. I'll I'll put some more some more of my thoughts on the WhatsApp. Um, one thing we we definitely need to understand is the science and the scientific understanding is extremely limited, and we always expect to observe and collect data, and only then we'll agree to the uh, to the proofs, right? But if somebody says I have experienced it personally. We, we don't want to believe that or we don't believe it. We have to cross that bridge first. If somebody says that they have a personal experience and they know what they're talking about, we have to take that and, and then um, you know, probe deeper into it scientifically to see if we can actually do it. Because uh, a lot of uh, theories in science are not proven yet and, and we just make things up to explain things that we physically observe. So that is one thing. The other thing is uh, uh, I am uh, like in the last one year, one thing that I've learned is 
uh, what we say is religion in in at least in these theories of karma and other uh, concepts uh, it's actually not religion it's all science it's uh, it's based on observation and human behavior and animal behavior and behaviors of so many other things in the universe so it's actually science is is what uh, i have concluded but anyway we can discuss more okay muku i saw you also uh, uh, you know unmute yourself and you are going to be the last person to speak today and then we will uh, <laughs> you know close sure. the session uh, <clears throat> thank you rajesh in fact I, i think the point i'm just going to thanks guns and i think as a, a concept of evidence see we all kind of undercurrent is you know scan logic and science prove this this uh, framework of uh, of ideas right that's a, that's kind of fundamentally is getting discussed a lot of time is observation right a very simple observation observation done by us right that's end of the day that's what is truth to you um so one simple just thought maybe for us is we all experience waking we all experience sleep we go and we dream we wake up right so if you really look at it when you're in dream sometimes you're in a different age you're in a different city or different people right how how is this paradox i mean this is all we all experience i'm not talking uh, somebody else to come and tell me i'm dreaming right but this identity that i see and talk to doesn't exist in another state when you are in deep sleep none of this exists right and then you wake up it's like a screen that comes back up right if we just ponder on this simple thing that we experience every single day in our lives right that's that's really the starting point right because this is my experience nobody can deny that i i go to deep sleep this world doesn't exist i don't have my wife my house none of that exists there right when i wake up it all comes back up in dream i'm somewhere else right sometimes a different age i mean how how is this i mean we are talking about science and all of that right how are we able to reconcile this experience that we go through on every single day right that's really is more of a curiosity starting point right for all these journeys then you look for frameworks that satisfy these uh, <clears throat> these concept or framework of concepts that at least address it to some degree right and then you explore it right and then it becomes an experience some of the people said how the benefits they get is really really an experience but it's a subjective experience end of the day and you know uh, science uh, from i think is very limited i agree with the comment that came just for us all to remember right 300 years before 300 years back science believed that the earth was flat right whereas our the the vedas always talked about uh, you know the the, the hindu um, Uh, sad, you know they call it the old scriptures where they calendar everything that's like 15000 20000 years back they've been calendaring this right and they knew exactly where sun was what earth was so if i were to look at a framework that's going to help me to guide i'm saying oh those guys knew that better they knew way ahead of time right i'm going to i'm going to understand at least read and be curious about it that's how i kind of personally reconcile when i struggle with some of these concepts is really what i experience and is, is there a framework that at least partially goes through it then i i'm just i'm at this point it's a hypothesis for me right i am not asking for proof i'm not i'm just saying it is my experience end of the day it is what i experience and and this is where i think the hindu sanatan dharma is hugely different or very un, under uh, not understood is it is a, always a subjective reality in hindu sanatan dharma the reality is a subjective reality that's why it's called a maya 
what exists for you doesn't exist for me what exists for me doesn't exist for i so on and so forth it's a very simple idea but again the framework to approach it is not look for answers but from your experience start questioning that's how i at least i do think reconcile this all these questions just just a two sets wonderful no, very well, well said Mukul. very well, well summarized yeah all right so uh, i'm sorry i will uh, we will have to decide to uh, uh, you know end today's session and continue tomorrow it's all maya again you know we will be are continuing but we will continue tomorrow in in whatever form that you call it okay next week okay so with that we will uh, we will um, we will probably have to figure out what shlokas for next week do we want to mull around the same shlokas or do we want to uh, go forward i think 29 shloka is very important and we didn't take yeah. touch Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's I why I was asking the question. Yeah. You know, okay. I think yeah, we should stick to these same same shlokas. Yeah, we'll stick to these shlokas, but uh, we will kind of you know, uh, 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 if we have already discussed something in in today, uh, unless it's a burning question, we'll probably not cover uh, cover in our journey to in the next week. We will probably move forward so that we can cover the rest of the other shlokas also. Okay. All right. So with that, uh, let's say our closing prayer. Oh. ज्योतिर्गमय मृत्योर्मृतंगमय ओ शाति 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 श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरि ओ सर्वे जना सुखिनो शांति 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 एंजॉय योर वीकेंड एंड सी यू नेक्स्ट वीक हरिओम हरिओम